Hey Mamas. So today we're going to hear from Samantha Haven Gardner, and today really is a storytelling episode. Sam is going to tell us the story hey, Mama, of her first story. Peace out. If what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF, or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode on the podcast, and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and dry this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy, and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So, let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire, and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective. So we may together want to get transformation from this. This is actually the first episode ever recorded. Let's get it, mama. The other with the interviewee in my studio, aka my bedroom. And so the sound is a little bit different than what you're used to. The ending is slightly abrupt because we ended up talking for like an hour and a half. You're going to hear from my pup, Jax, who's a Rhodesian Ridgeback, who was incredibly vocal and really just wanted to be part of the conversation. But it seems he may have just wanted to lighten the mood for us a little bit. But before we head into the episode, I want to read a review from Kelly Kendall, 2019. She says, all mamas must listen. If you want to be a mom, are working towards being a mother, or are a mother, then this is the podcast for you. I wish I listened to this before getting pregnant, but now, listening as a mother of two, I am so thankful for Sarah's podcast. Not only is it like having your best friend in the car with you or sharing your coffee in the morning, the content that is covered is phenomenal. From giving ourselves grace and love as mothers to covering infertility, child loss, and the ins and outs of daily motherhood. This podcast is by far the best I've listened to on the market. Wow. It's full of testimonies, stories, the realities of parenting and inspiration of self-love, affirmations, and daily reminders of how amazing we are. I highly recommend for any woman or man wanting a child or currently a parent. It just touches me in the deepest places. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kelly Candle. That makes my heart happy. If you yourself are loving the podcast, please take a moment and write me a review. It makes me so happy to hear from you guys, and I really believe that it helps another mama and encourages her to hop on this journey with us. So without further ado, let's hear from Sam. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone, and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf. (laughs) It's mama time. Hey, everybody. So today I have a really special episode. I am talking with the daughter of one of my neighborhoods really turned into family and um, I'm going to introduce you all to Sam and she's going to tell us about her story of her of her first son who was born premature and her true message to you guys of really listening to your body and that motherhood intuition. Hi Sam. Hi Sarah. <laughs> yeah 
we, of course, Sarah and I have been talking and the biggest thing is, is you have that little voice inside you telling you, okay, something's not right. Listen to it. Benjamin's 14 now. I do want to say that. So he was born at 24 weeks and four days. Uh, I didn't, I didn't know what was going on with my body. I didn't understand it. First, first kid at the time I was 20 and (laughs) 20. Okay. Wow. And we just, we thought, okay, the doctors know what they're talking about. The doctors went to school for this. They have seen how many, you know, hundred births or whatever. And I, it wasn't my OB. I do want to stress that my OB was awesome. I had to see somebody else. And, um, he came in there and said, Oh, it's muscle spasms. I ended up having preeclampsia and it went into help syndrome. All my signs for preeclampsia were there, but they were backwards, but they were there. My husband and I both left the doctor's office going, this, this doesn't feel right. This, this doesn't, something's wrong. Something, I don't think this is right. And we both did that. Well, it's a doctor. It's, you know, we kind of second guessed his voice telling him and mine too, this isn't right. So we totally, unfortunately ignored it. And that was on a Monday, Thursday morning, I was having him. Um, I got rushed to the hospital. They took my platelet count and it dropped at that point, a hundred and something thousand. And, um, by then there was protein in my urine. I was extremely swollen, extreme water weight. Um, scared by myself. Unfortunately, David wasn't there at the time he was on a job, but coming back home. And, um, they had to rush me to an actual hospital that could take him. And, uh, (laughs) I needed that. I needed that. And, um, so they get me over to the other hospital. By then I have, have my husband and my dad. They took my platelet count again. It's under a hundred thousand by this time. And they pretty much told us you have to have him and you have to have him now. They tried to give me some medicine to stop the preeclampsia. They tried to give me steroids for Benjamin's lungs. They tried everything they could, but it was already progressed so far and my liver and kidneys were shutting down. They don't know how I didn't stroke out at the time. They don't know how I didn't seize how all these things that should have happened I did, I did hit up hemorrhaging a little bit in the OR, but they had Benjamin out of me in under four minutes. Oh my God. And, um, when he was born, he ended up weighing 114, but a lot of that's just water weight, you know? So he went down to one nine and he was 12 and a half inches long. And I was fighting cause I still wasn't out of the woods. He was, of course, I didn't get to see him for eight days because I was so bad off. I couldn't leave the room. And, um, it's one of those things you can't help but think of every day. I mean, every day. What if, what if we would have said something? What if we would have went to that other hospital, which was, I think less than five miles away, you know, would things have been different? Should we have listened to it? Can, you know, 
there's woulda, coulda, shoulda's always come up, but I tell people even, <laughs> I'm not one to give random pregnant women advice. <laughs> I don't like being that kind of a person, but I don't know if I feel it real strongly as far as anything, you know, not the sleep when your baby sleeps, not, you know, all those other things you hear people say, it's listen to your body. And of course, as new moms or if they say something, you're like, no, my child, I know my child. It's those little voices. We have them for a reason and it's to listen to it. I don't care if you're in the doctor's office with, when you're pregnant every week, I did, I did that with my second. I was there almost every other week or calling them going, you know, is this normal? Especially after 24 weeks, because I didn't know what to expect. And I was over there all the time or calling them going, is this, is this right? Is this? Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that you, you're given that little intuition for a reason. And I don't care how long the doctors have been going to school or, my biggest thing is you're not a Jack's lay down. <laughs> lay down. Lay you, down. You're not a textbook. Remember that. You are not a textbook. I don't care how many patients a doctor sees, how many births they've done. If you don't find a doctor or have a doctor that speaks to you in that in your head and your heart going, This is the right match, I move on. I've I went on to a different doctor after that. But my OB, unfortunately, was out of town. That's why he wasn't able to see me. He was, he was awesome my second go around. But he, uh, he apologized. He was, he was, he was really great. But yeah, he he apologized. You know, your first pregnancy, you you maybe maybe in all pregnancies, I don't know. But you Google so much, right? Like you're wanting to know what's normal, what's not normal. And I think you second guess yourself more because you feel like you haven't gone through this experience. You're learning so much week to week as you go, even if you're talking to family or friends who have had babies, you know, everybody is so different, but you second guess yourself, I think even more with your first and you have, it just, you have to remember that the breasts, the movements, the, like you eat heartbeats, like just the, I mean, you are literally connected to this baby and there's no greater sensation or connection on this entire planet than a mother and a growing child in your belly. And so you have to, regardless of it's your first or your second baby, you have to really listen to the, any, the tiniest nudges. And, you know, like you said, Sam, no matter how, how experienced a doctor is or how many births he's handled, yep. um, how long he went to school, any of that, I think, you know, you're right. Finding a doctor who will listen to you and not laugh you off or, yep. or tell you, undermine you or, you know, or tell you that you're, that, you know, you're wrong yep. or kind of ignore you. Finding somebody who will listen, there might be times, even if you have a doctor that you like, right? Yep. Even if you have a doctor that you feel like you connect with or who you think is empathetic or um, really has your best interest and is knowledgeable and you trust them, it's okay to really get loud. Oh, yeah. And it's okay to just fight back. And if you're proved wrong, great. Yeah. Like, that's the best case scenario. But, yeah, I mean. And another thing is, too, like I said, second opinion. I mean, there sure. it doesn't. I, I'd rather go. And like I said, with my second one, I did pretty much every, if not every week, it was every other week. And even there was times when my OB would be like, okay, well, just come on in. Let's just check and look. 
And even though, you know, you get those sonograms, ultrasounds, pictures on certain times, my OB would, every time I came in, I got an ultrasound. I heard the heartbeat because yeah. he just knew how, like I said, especially after 20 weeks. Yeah. And, but it, like what you were saying, it doesn't matter. You're, you're going to have friends, family, your parents, your sister telling you, oh, well, you know, this, there's that, you know, watch out for this. But it's not the same. I mean, granted, I was high risk with my second, but I had no troubles with my second. And preeclampsia, as a for instance, it can happen in your first pregnancy. It could happen in your 10th pregnancy. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter with that particular thing. But when you feel and you know in your gut, in your heart, in your head, Okay, yeah. Then go and ask. I know it's hard not to want to Google. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and you're going to be better for it in the long run. You're going to have, you know, peace of mind. That helps your blood pressure. <laughs> you know, and you know all those little things and the stress of it. And what I was saying about you're going to have friends and family tell you. It's the same way with books. You can have a stack of parenting books or what is that? Uh, one to five years or whatever. Newborn to five years. It's the big thick book you get. I forget. I do not what know is this it? one. Yes, yeah, huge. And um, I was just telling someone, you could read that thing cover to cover. You yourself as a pregnant woman, your child from newborn to five years is not a textbook. It's things, unfortunately... Don't happen textbook wise, like with me with my preeclampsia and my signs, but I mean, just normal everyday things you're not going to have in a textbook. Yeah. That whether it's something the doctor has seen or something the doctor may have not seen, it's just one of those things that it kills me when I hear people say, or doctors or professionals say, Oh, well, you have to look for these signs. And I'm sitting there going, Well, okay, is you want to, and they'll tell you it's in an order and I'm sitting there going, well, if it's backwards, what do you do? Oh, well, no, it's got to be. And I'm like, but that's not it. Sure. That's not how it always works. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's one thing that's always, always bugged me. And <clears throat> just how they're taught. I, it, I and mean, it, it really is. is just how they're taught. <clears throat> it just, it, it's one of those that, Ooh, <laughs> I get on my soapbox and I can't stop. <laughs> and it's, and when I get to talking about preemie stuff, because unfortunately we were part of, I guess, yeah. that club, is you you can't help but advocate, advocate, excuse me, and and talk about it. And because if not, I mean, with prematurity especially, there's not a lot of funding. Yeah. We don't we don't know why they don't know why this happens, but it does happen. So it's it's one of those things that. Like I said, whenever I talk to somebody, it's like, just listen to that voice. Yeah. And like you said, whether it's you've proven wrong, great. If not, okay, well then let's, you know, go from there. But yeah. And if you can be more, become more educated, I think that's another thing is when you're talking to your doctors, if they tell you, no, I don't think so, then you just need to ask why. And yep. um, not to be, you know, like, I don't know, not to be trying to be like super stubborn, but literally just for the education standpoint, I mean, I think it helps you put you at ease. Yeah. I think it helps you have a full understanding. When you have a full understanding of something, 
you can connect with all the information. Yeah. You can make forward decisions. And so, yeah, if they tell you no or if you're if you're proposing things or asking questions, just make sure you're getting in-depth answers. It's okay to probe like that. Yeah. Um, I know they don't always offer up all that information, mm-hmm. but doctors do like to yeah. talk if they have the time. And yeah. so they like to share their, their own education. So allow them to do that and urge them to do that. Um, I, I know your, I know your symptoms were backwards, but mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about like when you went on, when you decided that it was time to go to the hospital on Monday, why did you go in? I, I was, I was hurting. Okay. I had a little bit of like cramping and that freaked me out. And cause not I, like contraction, cramping. not contraction cramping. It was, I mean, it, it felt like I had a hold, like someone had a hold of me and then would let go, but it wasn't, it wasn't contractions, okay. but it was that top of your stomach kind of feeling. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I might have so to kick loud. him out. He's so loud. And, um, I started feeling it, but I, I started putting on, you, you could see the water weight. I mean, yeah, when you, especially when you pushed my leg, it was like, okay, weird. I mean, I had some swelling, you know, sure. and, um, for people who don't know that, like if you have, if you're super swollen and this can happen with women who don't have preeclampsia at the very end of pregnancy a little bit, but you would like put your finger on an arm or a leg and it would be like indented and yep. be very slow to come back out and it would turn white. Yep. Um, that's a really good indication. Yeah. I had that. And then with preeclampsia, it looked like I had red, uh, lip liner. And it looked like I had a really bad blush job. <laughs> and it was just really swollen. I even had a friend of mine who I bumped into there at the doctor's. She even looked at me. She's like, Samantha, is that you? Because I came up and said hi to her. And I'm like, yeah, hey. She's like, are you okay? You don't look like yourself. That was another one of those flags going, okay, yeah, maybe something is yeah. wrong. Maybe there's this isn't right. And I did have an elevated blood pressure, but it wasn't crazy yet. I had no protein in my urine. And I did have the water weight and I did have elevated blood pressure, but it wasn't crazy yet. And that's when that, I saw a midwife first, she measured me and this whole entire time we thought I was 28 weeks, 28 weeks and six days. I was measuring 24 weeks and four days is what they ended up telling me. And I'm like, okay. And with him being born, looking at him, they're like, yeah, no, this isn't 28 weeks. So... She even said she was in the room with us, this midwife, and when the doctor came in, you get that yeah. automatic feeling like, I'm trying not to pass. <laughs> He's a butt. And, <laughs> and you just get that arrogant doctor feeling that some of them have. And he asked me some questions. She rattled off some things to him, this, that, and the other. And he's like, oh, well, it sounds like muscle spasms. I'm like, okay. And even the midwife was like, well, she's measuring it this, this far long. Are, are you sure? She even said the words, are you sure to him? And he gave her one heck of a look of like, okay. You're going to question me. Yeah. So, and Dave and I looked at each other going, okay. It, when, when I think back on it, don't get me wrong. Trust me. I kick myself in the butt. Every day when I look at him, thank God he's here. Cause if he wasn't, I sure. don't know what I would have done, but looking back going, I was kind of naive and stupid to think, why didn't I listen to that? You, you can't help but think why, why not? Why wouldn't you? So, I mean, it, it ended up being good. Yes. As far as Benjamin making it, but 
going through all that is forever branded from by the way I had him and what happened and the roller coaster ride. They did diagnose me with PTSD from it because it was Monday I had him. I took the medicine, unfortunately, like they told me to. Wednesday night, I started feeling that pain come back. And David, unfortunately, was night shift. So he was an hour and a half away. So I'm home alone. I have my awesome German Shepherd at the time who was like <laughs> glued to me when I was pregnant. And he even was picking up like something's not right because he was whimpering and following me. And, and oh. so I took the medicine and... I was going to just chill out. I wasn't going to go to bed. I was just going to chill out, wait for David to get home. Okay, we'll, we'll go in the morning. The only kind of relief I could get was getting in the shower. Not hot, but warm enough to just have it on my back to be like, okay, maybe this pain will go away. And it just, I felt relief for like an hour. And then it broke through it. And I'm like, yeah, no, something's not right if it's breaking through. Yeah. I'm ca- trying to call David and he's not allowed to have his fun at work. So I'm like, here it is. I think at this time it was just shy of midnight. He doesn't get off work till four. So it was like battling of, do I go now? Do I go by myself? My parents are three hours away. What do I do? I I waited it out a little bit. Finally got a hold of David. And he's like, why are you still home? Why aren't you at the hospital? And he ended up calling 911 for me. But I... (laughs) I ended up telling him I tried to drive myself. I made it two blocks and came back home. I would, I, I couldn't take the pain. I, there's no way I could make an hour drive to the hospital because that's how far we were. Crazy lady. I know. <laughs> David didn't put it quite that mildly. <laughs> sweetly. <laughs> yes, sweetly. And he hung up on me, which we never do. So when he hung up, he called 911 to let, or called because it's local. It's a tiny little bitty town. We yeah. know everybody. Yeah. Everybody knew it was me. So I have. Two of our cop friends who heard it over the radio who happened to be awake at the time, they came over. The ambulance uh, paramedics, we knew one of them. We didn't know the other one. That was a bad experience. She basically told me to take another pill and go to bed. I'm like, no. I said, I took it. It broke through an hour later. She's like, so you've just been sitting here? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Because I am I don't know. I, I Between dealing with the pain and trying to figure out what to do by myself and you almost feel like if you call somebody and it turns out to be nothing you feel stupid for it so calling a friend of ours to come and sit with me or come take me and it's you know 12 1 o'clock in the morning yeah I don't want to be imposing you know and of course calling my parents I didn't want to wake them out like I said they're about three hours away so I finally got into the ambulance after I tried to crawl to the ambulance because she was she was not nice. David ended up making it to the house and we lived 61 miles from the hospital. David made it there in 15 minutes. What? At four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So it, dad made it. My dad made it from here to North Florida in, I want to think like 30 minutes. I mean, he was of course it's like four o'clock in the morning so you know and I on a what is that by this time it's Thursday so I was at the hospital not too long and then David showed up at once they said okay you you're gonna have to have him I can clearly remember and it was a different doctor this time but he this one was awesome just along with along with my regular OB he was awesome 
he's like, we can't, you can't have him here. You have to take him to the other hospital. I mean, he stayed with me the whole entire time. By this time, my blood pressure was ungodly, stupidly high. I mean, they're like, we don't know how you're not, you haven't stroked out yet. There was protein in my urine. My platelet count was down. They don't know how I'm not hemorrhaging or, or cause my blood pressure and everything, how Benjamin's, that was the first thing they did was hook me up to make sure he was fine. But as far as hemorrhaging with the placenta and all that, how everything was good with him, you know, he's in that little yeah. protected sack and, and protectiveness. But I remember the doctor having to help me, you know, that little, with the you pee in that thing? It looks like a top hat. That's what I think about. <laughs> him helping me being so embarrassed going, oh my gosh. Okay, really? You know, okay. And when I, when David finally got there, I'm already on a gurney making my way down to the ambulance. He was able to ride with me. And I remember my dad going, okay, well, I'll be right behind you. Which way to the hospital? And the ambulance driver, paramedic looked at my dad and said, you might want to ask for directions. We're going to be over there before you are. My dad's like, okay, whatever. They get out on the, on 75 and it's like two exits up. Okay. My dad said, next thing he knows, he looks up and just sees lights. Yeah. There's, they they're gone. Clean, yeah. And of course, get hooked up again, blood drawn again. It's with my memory. It's like one of those, um, movies, the flicker movies, you know, yeah. where it's the, yeah. yeah, the old timey ones and it flickers in and out. I remember being in somewhat of pain, but they'd given me something in the back of the ambulance and I remember hearing some choice words between the paramedic and my husband yeah. because of traffic, <laughs> you know, and people not moving out of the way and getting to the hospital, getting hooked up again, blood drawn. And then they came in there with a steroid shot. Well, because everybody's scrambling because it's an emergency situation and they're getting the NICU and the OR ready and everything like that. They tried everything to stop the preeclampsia, to slow it down, to give me more time with them here, David, his first kid as well. And me, we hadn't been married. Benjamin was born in June. The next month, July was our one year wedding anniversary. So here, you know, his new wife and he's having to make these decisions. And my parents are right there. Yeah. So he's trying to not, I don't want to say get their opinion, but also be like, am I, am I making the right call? Would she want this? You know, not saying he didn't know that I would say take Benjamin whatever happens to me happens as long as he's good. And I remember saying that to him. And the biggest thing that got me was the look in David's face. When the doctors came up to him and said, we have to take him now. If we don't, she's not going to make it. Benjamin's good. She has, we have to get him. And he had to sign the paperwork, but he had to take off my my wedding rings. And... The look on his face was, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. He he didn't know if that was the last time. It was. Yeah, he was in total fear. A husband seeing his wife in pain and the, the thought of losing you and, of course, all the emotions of potentially meeting your child. I mean, there's just so much going on there. I can't even imagine like I said, they had him. And I was completely put out for it. 
so I didn't get to hear yeah. him cry. He did cry. They said he sounded like a kitten. <laughs> and bless the nurse. I don't even know her name. She took three pictures of Benjamin without, because he had to be intubated right away. So the tube in his throat <clears throat> to help him breathe. And she took pictures of him before they intubated him. I was out, of course. And I, I woke up several hours later. I mean, I was in so much pain at the time. This is da from David's point of view. They were in the wrong waiting waiting room. Oh no! They didn't get to see them go by with Ben uh, with Benjamin in the NICU, and he says he kind of thinks that was a blessing. Oh, but my dad and David were walking the halls, and the doctor came out, and he was just trying to get back there because I had so many people between all of my family, David's brother, some very close family and friends of ours in North Florida, and. The doctor came out and he goes, I just want to let you know, he's good. He just went by and of course they're like, wait a minute, yeah, what? We didn't, we didn't miss that. And, um, they let them know that I did hemorrhage a little bit. They had to hang four units. I'm, I'm good. They're putting me back in a room. I can, they can come and see me a little bit. It would be a little bit longer because they wanted to get Benjamin situated and evi uh, evaluate him. My dad and David looked down. And he still has his booties on and they're covered in blood and my poor dad and the, the doctor's like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was just trying to get out of here. I wanted to let you know, I didn't want my nurse to come tell you. I wanted to come tell you, you know, I'm, I mean, just kept apologizing. And like I said, it was a few hours later, I woke up and David already seen him. And I remember him just saying, I, I, I've asking him, where's Benjamin? Is he Okay. He's good. He's, you know, trying to explain him. He goes, he's small. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, he's small. He's yeah. small. It was another, you know, what, seven days, six days by then. Everyone got to see him, tell me, oh my gosh, he's so cute. He's got so much hair. He looks like a little old man, you know, <laughs> these his hands, da, da, da. I'm like, okay, okay. So I'm trying to prepare myself for it. I get wheeled in there. I'm, st I'm still so weak. I mean, I remember I was constantly hunching over excuse me because I'm like my staples were killing me yeah and I washed my hands when I walked in and, and I'm getting wheeled around it's so quiet except for those beeps the beeps even to this day that certain tone brings everything back and seeing all these babies in NICUs or or in um the incubators or in open cribs and they wheeled us back and this is the biggest thing that hurt David at the time of course was I looked at him and I leaned back and I'm like that's not him that's not my child that realization of those days going by and hearing all of it was like okay I had a baby pretty sick he's sick he needs to do some more growing it it didn't register with me. And oh my God, the nurses over there were awesome. She goes, honey, it's okay. She goes, I want to do something. She opened up the little armhole and she said, just come over here. And she goes, look at the monitor, watch the numbers. They were steady. She goes, say his name and talk to him. Let him know you're here. Benjamin, baby, it's mommy. His numbers went up. 
She goes, see, he knows your mom. He knows that's you. And even still, it took me a minute going, wait a minute. He looks a little like David. (laughs) (laughs) He, He has that little bit of an old man look. And I remember just, she she raised it up and you could feel the heat off of the incubator. And she's like, you can touch him, it's okay. You've got about 10 minutes and then we have to close back up. And I kept watching the monitor, watching those numbers. I remember touching him and, and wanting to hold him and just kept saying his name over and over and over. And it was just, it's amazing because I'd sat there and watched the nurse mess with him. Those numbers didn't move. Those numbers didn't do anything. And knowing that even in 24 weeks, he knew my voice. That connection was there. Knowing that, and I did say it, but I'm not going to say it now. But (laughs) holy crap, that's my kid. That's my son. I, I did that. We did that. And I told David, I'm like, oh my God, you know we have a baby and at the same time going oh my god is this going to end good is this going to end okay that's the second thing in your head and my mom gave me a book when we were still in the hospital or the day I left excuse me and David kept saying we can go over to Ronald McDonald we can go stay there it was like two blocks over I said no I want my bed I want my dogs my dogs are my first kids (laughs) they're my fur babies too and like I said, even though we were an hour away, and I mean, the nurse practitioner, the doctor, the nurse, that's Benjamin's nurse for a solid 12 hours. She's like, here's the number. We have to set up a, um, a code name or code word. It changes every day. Wow. I said, I mean, they were awesome. And she, I said, so I can call anytime. She goes, you can call anytime, day or night. You can check on them. You can do all that. Well, it was um, a Dr. Sears premature baby book. Oh, I, love I still have, I know me too. I, I still have this book because my mom wrote in it. Of course, when we got home, we got settled. Of course, the dogs are all excited. Gideon, our shepherd, came. I sat down. He came up and he'd always put his head on my belly, and even just the look at him, you could tell he knew. Like, where's the baby? Something's not right. Yeah. Wait a minute. And then trying to have a blanket to show them, and he just was confused and perplexed, and he even looked at the door like. It should be coming in here, right? That was another thing. It, of course, got the waterworks going too, and then having to pump and having to think yeah. of that. And I called immediately. Then yes, he's doing good. His sats are good. Da da da. And I remember just sitting there going, "Okay, I need to chill. I need to take a breath. We're home." And it was. I didn't get a good night's sleep. There's no that. Of course. But at least I I I, I just passed out. And I remember waking up, sitting in bed, still couldn't move. It still hurt so bad to move. <laughs> and, um, and David, oh my God, he was great. I mean, you know, come here, I'll help you do this. I still couldn't, just that simpleness of using your legs to stand up and down <laughs> from the bathroom, <laughs> going to the bathroom. And so we're sitting there and I said, well, let's flip through this book. This is, you know, it looks like a good book. I kid you not. I flipped through it and you know, you just flip a book and yeah. you open it up. And the chapter was, if the baby doesn't make it, I threw it. I threw the book and I'm not superstitious or I take signs. You interpret them the way you kind of want to, but also in the way you, it should be brought to you. 
I do believe that. But this, I, I, I just absolutely refused. And Dave is like, let's try this again, but let's start at the beginning. <laughs> you know, he's trying yeah. to make light yeah. of it. So, I mean, that book was so good as far as learning, pick line, intubation, sat levels, where they should be, where they shouldn't be, all that. It took some time, but we actually got kind of, with our baby, with Benjamin, being able to go in there, okay, you have to use a cotton ball, put it inside the diaper because it's going to catch the pee and that's what they weigh. <laughs> you know, things like that. But he was... 13 days old and I, David went in before me I was still washing my hands and the doctor asked David do you think she's ready to hold him it was like yeah so I get there and I immediately noticed because I look at his chart by then I, I'm yeah, getting a knew. pretty good idea of what to look for and what to do and man if you had the tiniest question they answered everything and I noticed his pick line's gone and so of course that I was like okay, uh, what does that mean? You know? And sure enough, she's like, are you ready to hold him? I mean, they had this big comfortable chair, not the old rocking chair, <laughs> this big comfortable chair, kangaroo chairs, what that was. And they're like, okay. And I ended up, something made me wear a button up shirt and I'm okay. wasn't too big on that, but I had a button up shirt. So I was able to get him right skin to skin kangaroo care. They, I, I didn't know what to do with my hands. And yeah. Because he still has stuff all over him. And I remember just, I was trying not to cry on him. <laughs> and he gets there and finally he settles down. I settle down. I lean that back. That was the first time. And what was that by then? They had 13 days. I slept for 45 minutes with him on my chest. <sighs> they let me. They were great. Of course, David's right there and. I, I, they was like, you didn't hardly move. I mean, like you would kind of get situated, but as far as you had him, you, he was there. And I was like, oh my gosh. I, even of 45 minutes, I felt so much better. Yeah. I actually felt like I slept and then it was time to pump. And then it was trying to put him back and, you know, trying to pump next to the NICU. Or they would tell me, if you have a friend with a baby, bring them over and let them cry or let, you know, to hear sounds of crying. So it would help my milk production. Unfortunately, a month in and I was starting to dry up. The stress just took over. Well, the pump just doesn't. No. The pump no. just is, um, I mean, I think some women have really, some women respond really, really well to a pump, but otherwise it's not the same no. thing as a baby's latch. And they didn't really have, I can remember that I ever got where you can put them on them and they just catch. I, don't, I remember they had the pads where it would soak it up, but not the ones now where you can put them on there and it'll actually catch the breast milk. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, that would have been great then because there was always, I can remember going to Walmart one time on the way to the hospital. Didn't even know it. I didn't put my nursing pads in. <laughs> Baby two hours over starts screaming and I'm like, oh, poor thing. And we're sitting there and she's still just screaming. I don't feel anything next to you. know. Dave was like, um... <laughs> We need to get to the hospital. I'm like, what? Why? What's the wrong? Hospital. Did they call you? Well, because there was a pump there. <laughs> there was a pump oh. there. <laughs> and I'm freaking out going, did they call you? He goes, no, you need to go pump. And I'm looking. And I mean, it was so soaked. <laughs> I'm like, that was like one of the first times I had heard about it. Yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. But I never got, I'm like, okay, wow, that's really true. You yeah. know, yeah. you will do that. So, and we had our, our ups and downs with them. Um, 
he ended up having an infection with his intubation tube. They called us at like 2 a.m. letting him know this is what happened. We had to extubate him and then re-intubate him. We tried to let him breathe a little bit on his own, but he still needed some help. So we just went ahead. So he's not over exhausting and, yeah. and getting himself tired faster. We just went ahead and re-intubated him. He's great. He's, I mean, that was the first thing they said. Of course, by then you memorize that number that they call you from. Yeah. And it was just shy of um, a month old the day before he turned a month old and he was able to be fully extubated. They're like, okay, I think he's doing better. I think he's doing good. So then it was just a, um, a CPAP machine. Of course, okay. the area. Yeah. Of course, he's still covered up, you know, but at least we got a couple pictures and got to hear him a little bit. He did sound like a kitten still. <laughs> and I mean, they got, we got to be right there with him. And that was one thing I loved about up there and they put the mask on him and everything and it took him a minute because it, it's different than you know being extubated it's doing it internally for you with the lungs sure and you and i'm sure it had to feel different for him than force air yeah. into his nostrils yeah. going what's this and um he slowly but surely gaining weight and i'll never forget <laughs> every little bitty milestone makes yeah. a huge difference when he finally pooped <laughs> when he had, you know, okay, well, his diaper weight needs to be about this, um, or the cotton ball, really. And, okay, need this needs to happen, and then we can bring down the oxygen level or, you know, things like that, hitting those things. And so we ended up finding out later, some friends of ours went on a mission in, um, it was South America, that they were, people even asking them when they went, we went back the next year, How's baby Benjamin? I'm like, what are you kidding? So we took pictures of his first from his first birthday and stuff. So, I mean, you felt it every day, and that sounds optimistic. A lot of people lean on their faith when it comes to that, and to be perfectly transparent and honest, I was pissed. Yeah. Neither one of us do drugs. We're not bad people. You know, you think of all those things going, I don't know how yeah. to put it. What the hell did I do yeah. to get this, to have this put on me? And it, it tested us, both of us, hard. Unfortunately, at the time, David, he told me later that if something would have happened to Benjamin, he wouldn't have been able to do it. He wouldn't have been able to yeah. still be here. My faith is strong. I know where I'm going to be when my life is over, where I'm going to end up. And, but at that moment and at the, the, during that time, even the good days, I'm sitting there going, I would catch myself going, but why? I, I just, that was my biggest thing. I remember breaking down in the, in the bathroom, screaming, waking David up. David thought I'd pulled up a staple just screaming why and when everything was said and done and, and Benjamin graduated the NICU you couldn't help but be like okay I know this was a test I know this was you know you're not going to give me anything I can't handle you know but it was it it was rough as, as far as we we had this minister that would come around to the different families and Ask, you know, can we pray and all that? And I remember flat out telling him no. I said, not here. 
I said, this is my time with him. Well, ma'am, and David, I remember David just looking at him going, David walked him out and he goes, when we leave, you have, and I'll let the nurses know, you have my permission. Well, you can go in there and they prayed over him and stuff. But man, I, mm, I was so mad for so long. Like I said, we'd had our good days. Yeah. A month had went by, but I still had that. Okay, here's another bump in the road. He had the infection. Then we, when they do their routine things of x-rays, they found a hole in his intestine. I'm sorry. And so they're like, well, here's our options. This is what we're doing. Da, da, da. I remember getting off the phone. Well, we're not going to do anything, of course, till you get there. But I remember getting off the phone, calling my mom, my dad, and just crying. Then calling friends and family. And I remember when, because a very small town, when we called some of those friends, next thing, within 15 minutes, we had a knock at our door. 30 people outside of our door going, we're going to stop and we're going to pray. And I'm, that's amazing. Once again, it, I'm like, okay, I don't want to let them know what I'm going through as far as my faith being tested. And we all stood around and prayed. And I kid you not, we get to the hospital. They're like, well, we have to do surgery. This is what we're going to do. Well, we're going to take one more one more x-ray to pinpoint where it's at. I kid you not. I, they come back and they're like, we took four separate x-rays. We cannot find the hole. Wow. And some people would think, well, you have to feel, you know, your faith. You have, I said, I'm not saying that I abandoned it. I'm saying that I was, I was still upset as the why. It was still there. Don't get me wrong. I still dropped to my knees and thank God we called everybody going, Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. A miracle. And the doctors would never say that word, would never say miracle. Yeah. They would always skirt around it. And two weeks after that, we get a call more routine things. There's a hole in his stomach. Okay. But not, it's not very big. It is something minor that they don't have to like open him up. They just have to do a little one. Same thing happened. I kid you not. We call everybody. A glitch in the x-ray or something? <laughs> I, that's what we started saying. More like, because, well, then they took and said the same thing. They come back and said, we have a separate machine. We took and brought down here and took. Because you've got to think, you're in a massive room with, at any one time, I think one day we counted, there had to have been 60 incubators. When the ones they don't use, they push and, you know, put somewhere else. So you have this x-ray machine that doesn't need to be that big anyway because, you know, they're babies. And they brought down another machine and took the x-ray again. There was no hole in his stomach. This time the doctors did say, okay, this is a miracle because this was in within within an hour, if if not less than that. I know David, David has, he kept kind of like a journal. David's can tell you it was probably, it was within an hour. I know it was way less than that. Uh, from the time we called everybody to the time they did the second, or then I should say the other sets of x-rays and it was gone. So needless to say, it was like, yeah, wow. Okay. Something's. Yeah. Something's at work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and. So how long was it from 
when did you like from from his birth? When did you bring him home? Benjamin was born June twenty second. We got to bring him home September second. Oh my goodness! His due date was September eleventh. Wow! And it was like oh no, excuse me, September twenty second. <laughs> September twenty second. He was one pound. Nine ounces when he was born. When he came home, he was four pounds, nine ounces. Still tiny, tiny. Still little. And I will never forget, I'm I'm deaf in my left ear. And I was born like that. Get a call going, that like the night before, going, oh, well, we want you guys to come over and do a spin the night. But what was nerve-wracking was being in that hospital room with no monitor. So I mean, granted, the right down the right down yeah. right down yeah. the hallway, but I'm like every twitch, every yeah. noise. But what I was saying about me being deaf, sorry, is we get there and they have this stack of papers, and they were putting them through the. And that was another thing. Mom and Dad got me a a car seat, and it wasn't going to be here till like the week, the next week. <laughs> so they had to give us one of theirs, and he was like this, so yeah. tiny, and it was so huge. And I'm going through his little papers and one of the nurses says, oh, here's one more. She hands it to me and I just burst into tears. It was his hearing test. And, um, cause that was, yeah, <clears throat> that's things you have to look for with preemies is vision, hearing, yeah. all that. And it said, mommy, I can hear in both ears. Oh. I pass. <laughs> that's so cool. It was so great to have him home, but at the same time, I'm like, I need something that beeps, <laughs> you know, because you hear it for th almost three months, this constant beeping. And when he did have a, a sat, a desat, you would hear it go off. So you would know, okay, does he need stimulation? Can he do this on his own? Yeah. You know, you're still, he's still getting used to, okay, <laughs> things don't do the same as they do in the womb out here. I have to do a little bit more than what the womb does for me. Well, yeah, you you become reliant on looking at the oh, monitor gosh. and the stats to make sure that everything is okay. And then you don't have that. It's like, yeah, yeah. you're constantly questioning, I would imagine. I mean, every noise he made, we just, what? Are you okay? And you do that as a mom without oh even a preemie. It's like, you can't even imagine. That's that's the life of, or the first beginning life of a preemie mom. <laughs> that was nerve-wracking and a roller coaster from heaven and hell, I'll put it like that, is is high points and low points. Yeah. And when do you, did was there a point <clears throat> in time or a certain age or a certain like major milestone, like I don't know, month wise, that you felt like you finally could? I mean, you're always gonna worry, um, but that you when kind of just when Benjamin hit when, his corrected age, so even though he was born June 27th, they always cor June 22nd, ugh, they always corrected his age. Yeah. Oh well, he should be this. No, no. Yeah. You go by his, that was really fun at certain places. Yeah. And so once he hit, granted it was his first birthday, but when he hit his actual, what would have been his first birthday, like, okay, yeah. we're at that year. And we had a little birthday celebration for his birthday, but also him getting to come home for that first year. And that was that was a lot of fun, but that would, it was the, about the first year. But yeah, okay. that was a preemie mom. You know, I told myself on the way over here, I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to cry, but 
Right. Try to keep it together. Well, it's I've definitely teared up, had chills, and um, you know, been on the verge of tears in some of these interviews. But it's a totally different story being right next to somebody and just having that. There's like that emotional energy. I'll catch those moments where a Facebook memory will come up of, yeah. of an old thing that I posted, and I'll be like, "Holy crap!" And I'll look at Benjamin, and I can go right back to that day. If I smell Perel hand sanitizer. <laughs> The yeah. memories come back because that's what they use. And um, just those little things that, you know, spark memories and bring things back. And yeah. it's good to get it out every now and then because there's some things that, as I was talking, I'm, I've am i said a couple and I've, I've kept a couple to myself going, okay, I remember that. Or that, I just thought, okay, yeah, that, yeah. It, you know, so it is, it's good. It's, it's nerve wracking and... I know I have a headache from heck right now, but oh, no, I'm good. Sorry. No, 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 you're good. So, I, yeah, it's well, and it's. I hope you know the. There's so much meaning in this vulnerability, as far as just other women. I mean, that's kind of our whole mission is to, of course, educate women on preeclampsia and premature, and like what you can expect in the hospital, and some of those little tidbits you offered. Those things are, I think, really invaluable. But also, just hearing someone tell their story because. There's going to be another mother who has gone through this and is just saying, yes, amen, I felt that, or who may experience it one day and hearing your story and, you know, I just putting yourself back in that place and then being able to relive those moments, it's, there's just so many different types of struggle and heartache and, um, I don't know, I want to be the kind of woman that can support other women when they're going through those things and stories like that help me do that. Hey mamas, before you peace out, if what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF, or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and dry this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective so we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.